I don't remember what was said when I caught you two in bed. But now I sit here drinking shit beer, chasing Johnny Walker Red. Hi, welcome back. If you've ever been to or seen photos from Burning Man, you are familiar with art cars. They're those crazy mutant vehicles you see driving around like mobile sculptures. There are so many kinds of art cars. Some people paint their cars, some people do mosaic tiling or sculpt around their cars, and one person welded two flamethrowers and a stripper pole on the roof of their car. (laughs) That person is Paul McRae. I had spent more than one drunken night pole dancing on the roof of his car like I was in a goddamn white snake video. So I was shocked to find out he's been sober for over 30 years. He is a staple in Houston's art car scene, and in this episode, he educates me on how diverse that scene is. My very narrow field of vision made me think that all art car events were just these mini drunken Burning Mans, but apparently... That was just me. (laughs) Art car parades are family-friendly events all around the country, and a lot of schools even use it as an art project for their kids. When he told me that, I was like, wait, the schools make stripper cars? (laughs) No, it's a legitimate art form, and I was just dumb. It goes to show, you see what you want to see. And while I was a drunken mess, I wanted to see the art car scene as just crazy people looking for a reason to party. Now I see that it's crazy talented artists from around the world finding new ways to bring art to the public. And I have to tell you, I like this view a whole lot more. (laughs) So Paul and I talk about that, Mick Jagger being a control freak, and hearing voices. Yeah, yeah, I said it. (laughs) I hope you like it. Here's me and Paul. Yeah, well, I I discovered art cars. I mean, I had seen one or two in the wild, as I like to say. By the way, that's my greatest contribution to the art car scene, is I created the term art cars in the wild. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but so just just around in Houston? Because I think... Yes, I I used to come to Houston a lot, and I saw uh, the boat car. It's still around somewhere, but I saw this car driving down... Highway 59 one day, I was like, holy shit, what is this? And I took a picture out of the window of the car, and, mm-hmm. and I also discovered uh, somewhere along the line that there, there used to be a, a, a car park downtown where they had art cars permanently parked there, and you could drive up and just look at all of these cool cars. Like 15 years ago? Yeah. Really? Okay. I More than 15 years ago. I know that it's been around for a long time, but I didn't know it was like that prevalent in Houston that long ago. I thought the it art was like car the parade last. began in the 80s. And they say the first year it was just like, they said there were more people in the parade than watching it, but then the next year it caught on and there were thousands of people and then it's grown to what it is now. Yeah, now it's just like It's been big. Okay, that's a lot longer than I thought. I thought 90s for some reason. Well, this year was the 32nd year of the parade. I think it's become a, a part of Houston's identity, and I, yeah. I su- completely support that. I think yeah. it's I think it's the best thing about Houston. Yeah, uh, you know we don't have the the same kind of culture that maybe some other cities have. But so one of my favorite events of the year is the Art Car Ball. Um, I this is the first year I didn't get to do it. I was already booked at a different show, mm-hmm. and I was so sad because I get to go out and be a mermaid and splash around in the water, and it's <laughs> one of it's my favorite because I loved, especially the last couple of years at City Hall. We're in the fountain in front of City Hall. I know, Hall. isn't that awesome? It's, it's amazing. Like- and I'm there like flapping around my mermaid tail in like the middle of downtown Houston. And there's 
art projected on the buildings and bands going on. And I'm like, this is like a city supported event. And it's so beautiful. And actually how I first met you was reaching out to you because I want to say it was Trisha was our mutual friend. Mm -hmm. I want to say that she's the one that put us in contact first because I was doing the shows at Outlaw Dave's. And she said that she knew a guy who had a a car with a stripper pole on it with flamethrowers on either side. And I was like, well, that sounds about right for Outlaw Days. Well, I just assumed that when you went public with your sobriety on Facebook and then I posted that I, too, had been sober for a while, mm-hmm. that you saw that and you're like, wow, he's he's a wild and crazy dude. Well, and, that's, yeah, and he's exactly. sober, so... Exactly, and that's why I wanted to have you on. Because, again, in my head, one, I certainly didn't know you were sober. And two, yeah, I'm like, wait, the guy with the stripper pole flamethrower car? That's amazing. Yeah, that guy. (laughs) That guy, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Because, yeah, that's kind of the thing. is like the art car scene. It's a lot of overlap with burner scene, which is a super party scene. And the skater scene. Oh, yeah, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know there was overlap with skaters. Lots of, lots of skaters in art cars. Okay. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. And um, they're, they're known for their uh, antics and party. Uh, yeah. It's a party scene, for sure. So when you posted that you were, I was surprised, and I wanted to hear more well, about that. Well, here's what you know about my particular scene, the art car scene, mm-hmm. is that it's, it's, everybody is in the art car scene. There's, mm-hmm. You can't pick an ideology and say this is what this is about because you're going to find people on both sides of every every topic that you bring up. You talk about drinking; there are mm-hmm. plenty of uh, hard partiers, and there are mm-hmm. people. There's even some casualties, uh, but there's lots of sober people too. Really? Yeah, and you know, there you say. Well, my initial uh, impression before I was involved is I, I figured that they were all you know a bunch of hippies. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was but like that's, a bunch of Bernie that's Man, not even Bernie close. Man, yeah. like um, spillover. Basically, is what I assumed it was. Yeah. And there's a lot of that, but you know, if you assume that they're all hippies or they're all liberals, you're mm-hmm. you're you're going to be sadly mistaken. Mm-hmm. And some of the people that you wouldn't expect, you're like, well, that guy's a, a Republican. Yeah. <laughs> 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 the guy with the mohawk driving down in the bunny car. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> so just real quick, it's like, you know, the timeline. Were you, did you stop drinking before after you joined the art car? I, drink, I stopped drinking way before. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you entered it. Okay. Yeah. I've been sober the whole time. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I quit drinking when I was 25 years old. Really? I, I grew up in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I came of legal age in 1980. Mm-hmm. And back then, it was it was way more permissive than it is now. Even mm-hmm. even today, you know, with marijuana being legalized around the country, you still have people wagging their finger at you yeah. and, and telling you that it's wrong. But it wasn't like that. I mean, it was like it was just you know everywhere and, mm-hmm. and everybody it was accepted. And and I'm a huge music fan, and so all of my favorite. Uh, music uh, stars were into drugs. And oh, I'm like, yeah. well, I want to be like those guys. Exactly, yeah. So, you know, I, I started smoking marijuana when I was like 16. Mm-hmm. And I got drunk once or twice, uh, but I didn't really start drinking consistently until I turned 18 when I became able to buy it legally. Although, mm-hmm. even back then, you could buy it. Because when I was 16 years old, I didn't look 18. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I barely looked 16. Yeah. But I walked into a... Uh, a Kroger grocery store and bought a six pack of mm-hmm. of uh, Schlitz malt liquor, and they didn't ask for an ID. <laughs> yeah, went back to my friend's house, and I, I, I still remember this is the first time I got super drunk, and uh, 
Oh, with all Schlitz the first time? Schlitz malt liquor. <laughs> the bull does it better. <laughs> That's better than me. My first time was on Midori. <laughs> it was disgusting. But we went, we, I went back to my friend's. So I walked down there. It was about a block away from his house. And we went back to his house. And we listened to uh, the Ramones' first album had just come out. And, and so here we were sitting in, in his bedroom getting shit-faced and listening to the Ramones. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I, you know, my, my dad came and picked me up because I, I didn't have my license yet. And I didn't have a car either, so. Yeah, <laughs> that was an important part of that. <laughs> but my dad came to pick me up. It was probably 6 o'clock or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I was so. Oh, and, you were, you were day re- drinking. You started day drinking. Yeah, yeah. It was like, it was it on a Saturday, I guess, because mm-hmm. we weren't at school. But. Uh, yeah, we were, uh, we were getting blitzed, you know, at noon. <laughs> but my dad picked me up, and, and I don't know, you know, I, I, I never asked him this question, but, uh, you know, I... Like if he knew. I, It seemed to me in retrospect that I was obviously wasted. Yeah. But he never said a word about it, you know. We just He just drove us home, and he, we stopped at McDonald's, I think, and got some food. And, yeah, and at 16, sure. He never said a word to me. That's funny. I don't know if he he was just out of it or he or he just like thought ah fuck it. It's all I, right. Yeah, I think sometimes it's just easier to not deal with it. Cause <laughs> I, yeah, I definitely have thought about that about a lot of things with my parents. Like they would pick me up from my boyfriend's house. They knew. <laughs> like I think you just you, they just didn't want to have that confrontation. It was just like yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, you so used I, to be blind to it. I, I started drinking when I was eighteen mm-hmm. uh, heavily. I was. I went to school, went to college, and, and uh, you know, that probably contributed to me uh, failing out of college, but uh, mm-hmm. there were other things going on, but that that was a big part of it, you know, and, and I even got a DWI, but it was still probably a year later before I quit, even after all that hassle. DWIs are not as, as rough as they are today. That's I what mean. I was going to ask you, because, <clears throat> so yeah, mine was so expensive, probably, I don't know, twenty thousand dollar plus situation probation it's still on my record my understanding is you can't get it ever like taken off in texas it's it's a big deal i had surcharges on my license for years afterwards Mm -hmm. i had my car insurance still now this many years later is still insane Mm -hmm. um meanwhile my dad (laughs) had more (laughs) than one and he totaled more than one car when i was a child and it, I mean, it sucked, but it wasn't like this, where it was like this massive life-changing thing. Like, there was a lot of like, yeah, that. Exactly. just get on home, you know, hurry up, get on home, like when the cops stopped him. So what was your DWI Well, they then? arrested me. I had to spend one night in jail, and, okay. and then I was bailed out the next day by my, you know, my parents. Mm-hmm. The fine was, was not much. It was maybe $500, but then mm-hmm. I had to go to probation once a month, and yeah. And that was, you know, I, I bitched about that because that was way out in Baytown, you know, and I lived in Alding. They, they, didn't, they didn't even suspend my license. I never lost my license. God. And I'll tell you, my, my, my real story, why I quit drinking, is, mm. is way more boring than that. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like Bill Hicks, you know. I, was, oh. I, had, I had a lot of Bill, Sorry, really, Bill is my heart. <laughs> I, had, I had a lot of really good times on drugs. Mm-hmm. 
I, I don't regret those times that I had where I, I was I was drunk. I never uh, did any intravenous drugs, but I, I did everything else. You know, mm-hmm. I, like cocaine and mm-hmm. pills, every kind of pill, and a lot of weed. But alcohol was 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 the main thing. I drank a lot day. of alcohol. But I was working. I was working with my father, and mm-hmm. we were doing a lot of traveling. Mm-hmm. And I would find myself at the end of the day, I'd get a six pack, and and we'd just be sitting in the in the hotel room, and I'm watching whatever bullshits on tv you know Mm -hmm. and i'm like i just uh, had an epiphany it's like this is not a party Mm -hmm. this is not me having fun this is me just sitting here getting drunk for no reason and so and but i also at the same time i decided or or i realized i'm a a uh, an obsessive person Mm -hmm. and so it's impossible for me to do it in moderation i already knew that i have a great admiration for people that can drink one or two and, and that's enough yeah I don't, that's, I don't that's, understand. I've never understood that. I'm like, what's the point? Why are you doing that? <laughs> exactly. <What> is- <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, I feel like I could probably handle it now, but I don't want to test that. Well, I've heard too many horror stories yeah, about people that thought it. they were okay after 15 or 20 years of yeah. sobriety, and mm-hmm. then two months later, they're back where they started. Absolutely. I don't want to find out. I actually want to, there's a woman I want to talk to coming up soon who had that. She was 30 plus years and mm-hmm. then just, yeah, off the rails. Yeah, well, there you go. So I just said, okay, I'm going to go cold turkey, and that's it. So then was it was it hard then? Because it sounded like that wasn't like a traditional rock bottom to where you could hold on to that when you're out with your friends the next time. Well, uh, that, that's why I'm saying that my, my situation was different than you because I was, at the time I was spending most of my time working we were out of town. I was with my dad. I, I wasn't with my friends. They were. They were. Okay. They were gone. You know, or they were. They were back in Houston, and I was wherever we were. Oh, okay. We so were working all over. It's almost like over. going to rehab, where you're separated from the people. Yeah, in, in a certain okay. sense, you know. But uh, uh, so what happened was, is that I had I had made the decision probably a month beforehand, and I said, mm-hmm. okay, I'm I'm going to put. December 31st, New Year's Eve. That's that's it. That's the last time I'm going to get drunk. So that was it, you know. And and I tell you, you know, it felt it felt bad for a while. Mm-hmm. You you ask how hard it was and, and yeah. it was hard. I mean, I had cravings, you know, and they're strong, strong mm-hmm. cravings for for probably I don't know, 3 months. Yeah. And, then, oh, yeah, and then they sure. just, you know, they they fade, they fade. And like I say, I was, you know, I had the willpower because you know, I wasn't around my friends and, the, you know, with all of the drink. I was, mm-hmm. you know, back to sitting in a hotel room with my dad. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I was able to weather that. And then after that, uh, at some point, and I don't know when, but the cravings just went away. I don't I don't crave alcohol at all. I don't. Mm-hmm. I used to uh, chew tobacco. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? And that was that was even that was even earlier. That was, you know, God, that was 35 years ago. And I still crave tobacco sometimes. You know, if, if yeah. in the right situation, if I see somebody Dude, chewing I tobacco, I was like, all oh, the time. I want that, you know? All the time. So when I first quit drinking, I was like a social smoker, you know, or just like, you know, I, drink, I just smoke sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I quit, it was very like, well, I get something. So I became a chain <laughs> smoker because I deserve this. Yeah. I gave up something. Like, I need one thing. Right, right. And I could just, you know, rationalize it that I'm allowed this. And so I started chain smoking, and it just got worse and worse. And so I have quit smoking so many times. And I'll go like a month or two months. Um, and then this last time was I uh, actually ended up having to have surgery. I had um, kind of like a, a basically precancer. The, the step before that, so they had to mm-hmm. cut the stuff out. And I it was 
really intense and I didn't know how bad it was going to be. And so, you know, when someone says that cancer, a doctor tells you that, you freak out. Oh, yeah. Um, so I quit. Just quit. Because you, when you think you're going to die, you feel stupid smoking a fucking cigarette after that. Some people do. Well, <laughs> I was good. I was good for several months. And then the last month, I probably mm. had like three. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? Damn it, Kiki. You got, you got it. You got it inside you. I know you I can know. do it. But I'm just agreeing with you. Like, yeah, it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't crave alcohol anymore. Many years ago, I would have said you were crazy that I would still want it forever. Um, but yeah, the cigarette still. And yeah, it offers me so much less than alcohol did actually <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's, i never smoked any cigarettes i just did the and and the reason i quit is because you know there was a girl that and she wouldn't kiss me and i'm like okay you know and and i'm like okay yeah this is gross i'm gonna stop doing this oh my God. <laughs> i mean well that's <laughs> it's a great motivator <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah i um yeah i'm in that same place i don't i don't really I don't think about it. I don't crave it. And I, again, would have not said that was true. I would have thought it would have been hard forever. But when I first um, stopped, yeah, I would think about it way too much. And if I was in any social setting, it was very like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Like, it was a intense, constant effort to not drink. Actually, I quit so many times and started again that I was doing a thing for a while where I would put a rubber band on my wrist for every day. <laughs> that I didn't drink <laughs> and I just had like piles of rubber bands. I felt so proud of myself. So then I created a system <laughs> where for every five rubber bands, I would put a bangle on the other wrist. <laughs> so I kept well, that's doing, a pretty good what idea. What is that thing called? The abacus. Abacus. Yeah, yeah. It was like a sobriety abacus. <laughs> so then I had like, you know, six bangles over here and, you know, three rubber bands over here. And then I would drink and like the shame in the morning of having to take them off my wrist. It just, I was so, I would just get so upset at myself, but that's should have been a sign <laughs> that I really had a problem if I was having to do that <laughs> to try to convince myself to not drink. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well there, you know, I mean, uh, to, to, to sum it up for my experience is like, Blackout drunk, that don't do it for me. Mm -hmm. Getting a DWI, that didn't do it for me. But mm -hmm. I was bored, so, you know. I mean, I get can't, that, can't, Don't Can't be bored. I get it. <laughs> I get it. I'm making light, but, you know. No, that's, no, no. That's, that's, that's the point of this is light, for sure. But that that really is the, 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 the truth, is that I, I just came to the the realization that this is not why I drink, you know. This is mm -hmm. this is not Mick Jagger or whatever. This is, yeah, this you is, just, this is just some... You know, working schmo sitting uh, at home alone, mm -hmm. you know, drinking. Not that I was ever Mick Jagger. <laughs> <laughs> so, have you ever seen Across the Universe? Yeah, I have, actually. Yeah. Okay, I love that movie. I think it's so beautiful. I went through this phase. I watched it almost every day. I loved the Beatles. I was in school for costume design, and it was so... All the costumes were gorgeous, and the, the scenes and everything. It was so beautiful to me. And so it was a thing that I would like watch every day. And this was back when I was dealing with a lot of depression and, and just unhappiness with my life. And after a while, like I just remember one night that like, it hit me like I'm watching people live this like beautiful, magical life. And just sitting here alone in my room watching this thing. Yeah, yeah. 
And that was a big trigger for me to like turn it off. And I was like, I want to make my life magical. Well, then that way we were we have a, a similar experience there. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's, that's, that's yeah, really I get great. Because I've never heard anyone else that uh, expressed it like I have. And I was like, I was going to tell you that you know, you know, I don't have the typical story. I think mine's mm-hmm. more unique. But you know, here we yeah, are. Yeah, no, here we. Are. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, I was watching and I realized this isn't this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. And and yeah, I've I've. And then you became Kiki. <laughs> and then I went and was like, I'm going to make magic, goddammit. <laughs> if I go crazy doing it. No, I was, I was never Mick Jagger. I was, I was never cool. But uh, <laughs> uh, I've never been cool. Uh, I but. don't believe that, sir. <laughs> <laughs> no, back in the 70s, we used to say uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, you know. So I, I got the drugs and the rock and roll down part. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I, uh, I gotta say, I, I uh, and and this, this maybe this is for anybody out there that's thinking about quitting. Is that I, I got way more sex after I quit drinking. So I believe that from a man's point of view, <laughs> 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 because I feel like you. Oh then, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's, it's way different for you. you yeah, yeah. I think for a guy, it's like yeah, you you got your shit together. Then that makes sense. I think. Well, it's more, more like appealing. I have my wits about me. I'm not just a dumbass, that, you know. That's that's over in the corner, you know, babbling bullshit. You know. Uh, yeah. I exactly. can actually talk to somebody intelligently. Exactly, and that's why I believe that that's true for you, <laughs> 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 because that is more attractive. Right? Like I can tell you right now, there is nothing as unattractive as like, oh, this guy's gonna need a babysitter tonight. Yeah. Like that's it's not at all what I want. Um, yeah, I've 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 never been hot enough to get away with that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm actually having the opposite issue where I have had sex twice in like two and a half years and I still don't fully understand how to do it. I can't I, I know how to do it. But <laughs> 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 um I can't I'm still learning how to how sober people or how a sober person dates. I don't need to date someone who's sober. I have learned I cannot date someone who's fucked up all the time because that was a real big problem. Um, well, yeah, I, I can dig it. You know? Yeah, but I, I still don't know how to do that thing. Well, you know, I think probably uh, you have to learn to, to let go because that you're very vulnerable in that situation, especially as a woman, I would think. Yeah, but I'm also a control freak. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, that's another thing. I didn't mention that earlier, but I think that's something that, that works in my favor is that, you know, I don't like the the loss of control. Mm-hmm. And that's that's why I quit caffeine. Yeah. Because I'm not going to let the tea tell me I have to drink it. <laughs> yeah. That's how I feel about coffee, except it's winning. <laughs> I hate it. It makes me so mad. I'm like, God, you will not have power over me. Yeah, except but I'm really busy right now, so just a little <laughs> bit right now. <laughs> but I can stop I just anytime. need a bump. Give me a bump. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get that. I, th- I mean, I think that's really normal for, um, like, I, I, I've been... So, after my last talk with Bobby Barnaby, I have started actively going to AA meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy them. I always have, but it was kind of like a, a here and there. You know, I'd go to one and then like three months later, go to another one. Maybe a month later, go to one. And I'm now like regularly going and actually working. I'm supposedly working the steps right now. Well, I'm, I just... I just 
kind of did the first one and, and then stopped. But I'm doing <laughs> it. Um, but um, control freaks, that's definitely a thread that mm-hmm. I just that you hear over and over and over the room is that we are a willful, spiteful people. <laughs> <laughs> which I guess kind of makes sense because for the longest time that's why I I don't know ex- excused my drinking so much is that I am such a control freak during the day I'm just like work 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 and I would never stop so I would tell myself I needed that release at night because I'm in charge of everything all day every day and that if I don't have that crazy release at night I will go insane and so rather than changing my lifestyle to where I don't need to let go of control by blacking out, I just did that for years and years and said that that was me finding balance. <laughs> Trying to find balance on a seesaw. Yeah. Yeah. And it never. You're it, just running from one end to the next. Yeah. And that's all I did was go to either extreme. But yeah. Well, another thing that worked that's worked in my favor uh, through the years is uh, you mentioned uh, depression and mm-hmm. I think that I'm truly blessed with the fact that I'm basically a happy person, oh. and and you know I, I'm what not. What's that like? <laughs> it's nice, I guess. Yeah. yeah. You know, I try to empathize with people. You know that that, uh, but my experience is different. You know, I've uh, you know I've lived a, a pretty stress-free life. You know, mm-hmm. I have parents that love me and they've taken care of me, mm-hmm. and you know I haven't been uh, touched by tragedy very mm-hmm. much. You know, I can't think of anything that's been all that horrible that's happened to me. I find that questionable. <laughs> I, I. <laughs> well, everybody has has bad shit that's exactly. happened. You know, mostly you know on a interpersonal right, but you know nothing that's left a scar on me. You know, again, physical I or otherwise. That. I wonder if perhaps. <laughs> Because you have not drank for, you said, 25 years? 32 or 3 years. 32 or 33. You have a, well, one, you're not ingesting a depressant because that's something that, I mean, that's what alcohol is. And I think that a lot yeah. of people very you know, casually drink every day and then talk about being depressed. And I don't say anything because then you're being, you know, people can say you're being judgy. But I'm like, well, you're also ingesting depression basically you're taking it in on a daily basis um two by not taking that in you have a different mind state that you live in um things happen surely things have happened in your life i think that perhaps you just are more equipped to handle them and process things and be a functioning human because for so many years you've had Control of you know that control. What am oh, I trying to right say? All right, now, Kiki, we're not we're not doing therapy here. I know. Or, 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 or I know. We? We're not do- I mean, I'm just saying, <laughs> shit happens. I think you just might have your shit together, and you're in a good mental state to where you can process it healthily, rather than run away from it. And that's why you are a happy person because you're healthy and process. Well, I mean, well, well, sure, yes. I mean, terrible things have happened to me, but they haven't they haven't affected me uh, in in ways like you know like somebody like they say oh i lost my job and then i got kicked out of my house well that mm-hmm. never happened to me you know i've lost money mm-hmm. uh, you know i've done stupid things uh, but uh, you know like we were saying earlier you know i, I i've driven blackout drunk but mm-hmm. i didn't kill anybody i didn't mm-hmm. you know i didn't i didn't you know i didn't do anything that that left a permanent mark on me you know mm-hmm. so i was able to just skate past all of that and mm-hmm. i'm in a place now where I'm, i have everything I'm just, i need in my life i'm just saying 
There are people who can make spilling their coffee in the morning sound like a tragedy. (laughs) 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 Things have happened. We don't have to talk about them, but you you are in a different place where you can say, no, I'm happy and I have a good life. I think that is about your state, not about that you just happen, you are lucky and have a great life. I'm just trying, I'm just saying give yourself more credit for the state you're in. Well, I guess you could say that, you know, because I'm I'm sober that I, I didn't continue down that path of destruction just that saying. I was on. I don't think luck is it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so going back, I just have to ask this because I feel like I just do. So you mentioned Bill Hicks earlier. Mm-hmm. One of the people that I spoke to, actually the very first episode I spoke to on this was Andy Huggins. Uh, who was part of the Texas Outlaw Comics with Bill Hicks. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Um, so if people are just listening now and have not gone back and uh, checked out other episodes, please so listen to So does that mean that I'm one. Bill Hicks adjacent now? Yes, you are. Oh because let me tell you, when I found out I was, I got real fucking excited. <laughs> 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 so yes, you are. Yeah, uh, he, so That's definitely going to go to my head. He is... Yeah, he's my heart. He's like, it's really weird. Like, he's this, <sighs> saint's a bad word, especially for Bill Hicks. But like. Oh, no, that's that, good. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm completely comfortable with, with yeah. uh, that. Uh, uh, <laughs> that title. What do you call it? Nomenclature. That, that, oh. that way of manner of speaking, uh, you know, with spiritual, spiritual uh, uh, reference. Yeah. He, so when. Whether you believe or not, you know, uh, uh, I think saint, because he's, he's elevated. He's. Mm-hmm. He's brought a lot to us. Absolutely. Way more than probably a lot of actual saints. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm a, so, like I was saying, back in that across the universe time, um, I was very depressed. Not just like for a little bit. Basically, from the my earliest memory is, <clears throat> God, maybe being four or five, crying every single night because I, I was just like, people are going to die. Like I understood death and just, I could not fall asleep at night because, you know, I tell my dad, you're going to die. My mom, you're going to die. And they'd be like, okay, but not now you have to go to sleep. And I'm like, no, you don't. What, what is the point of anything? You're going to die. I'm going to die. It was very weird. (laughs) Not a thing I feel like most children have. And they, I don't know when people uh, have that realization. I haven't had it yet. Oh, no. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, maybe I I brought you your tragedy. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm going to live. I've already decided I'm going to live to be 150. Oh, good for you. Um, So, yeah, I was just a super, I guess, existential child. And so I was very depressed growing up. Um, And I... Yeah, basically, it's just a lifetime of super deep depression, multiple suicide attempts, like just not a happy person. Maybe my second year living in Houston, I, unhappy with my life, uh, decided to give away everything I owned and I was going to travel the country making hats and selling them at art festivals. Um, So I was packing up everything around my room and I would just be up all night smoking pot all night just slowly packing figuring things out and there was this um, thing called stumble upon where it was like kind of like YouTube but like mm-hmm. the videos would just autoplay and you could select your categories so it was like comedy fashion travel was mine we'll say and so it just 
plays random shit. And I'd never heard of Bill Hicks. And it went to the last bit of his speech from Revelations about, you know, it's just a ride. Yeah. You know, and it's, you know, life has ups and downs. And sometimes it's scary, but it's okay because it's just a ride. And he has this whole speech. Yeah, I love that. And it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever heard. And I just sat down and I watched it probably like 10 times, just over and over and over again. And it just made sense to me. Yeah, that's... that's that was... That was... I understand... <laughs> for me. It's okay. Yeah. I, I never want to sound like I'm like saying like, you can just snap out of depression. I understand it's not like that. I understand that there is chemicals. I understand everybody's story is different. For me, that shook me out of it where I realized so much of my depression was a choice I was making. And well, yeah, I mean, marijuana is a depressant too. Yeah. It works for, <laughs> works for some people, but it, yeah, I, it, didn't, it wasn't working for me. Oh, yeah, this, the anxiety and everything else. But yeah, I just, it made me realize that, yeah, like so it was just a ride and it was okay. And so... I, you know, I ended up looking him up and, you know, watched his full specials and everything, but it, he just, I heard what I needed to hear when I needed to hear it. And it turned my life around and was the beginning of me coming out of a lifetime of depression. And so even though he was, you know, dead before <laughs> that video, mm-hmm. I saw that video. He's yeah, very me, important. Me He's very, very important to me. I didn't know him when he was alive. Yeah. Well, then I found out, like, years later that he was, like, from around here and, like, was yeah. Houston-based and came up in Houston comedy. And I was like, what? He would he would drink at Cecil's? <laughs> like, I yeah, drink at yeah. Cecil's. And that was extra crazy to me because I didn't know he had a Houston connection at the time. He just was this magical saint to me that changed Absolutely. my life. So. Well, I'll tell you a personal story. So maybe maybe, maybe we're get we're getting down to it now. <laughs> it, it is a chemical imbalance, and some people, those uh, uh, souls, whoever they are, God bless them. Mm-hmm. That uh, you know, I feel for them, and I hope that they get the help they need to 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 live productive lives. Absolutely. I have I have mental illness in my family, and and mm-hmm. so uh, I have to deal with it up close and personal uh, a lot. Mm-hmm. But when I was smoking weed. Mm-hmm. One night, I was driving home. I was alone in my car, driving home, and I was high, very high. Mm-hmm. And I started hearing a voice in my head. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I perceived it as the voice of the devil. Oh, wow. And he was telling me that you're going to die. You're going to go to hell. You're going to die, and you're going to go to oh hell. And I was like, oh, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I realized that it was, it was the weed speaking. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I it, that wasn't enough to get me to quit right then, but it, it that stuck in my mind. I'm like, I don't want any more weed. Yeah, don't want any wow. more weed. And and of course, you know that was it was the weed talking because mm-hmm. it, it didn't when I stopped smoking weed that that the voices stopped, were, and it never yeah. came back. Thank God. Yeah. So that's like, that's, I don't want to unlock that room. <laughs> so I used to think I was psychic when I would get really high. 
um, and that I could hear everybody else's thoughts. But it was so like my insecurity because it was just like just hearing like, you know, the other person like, oh, my gosh, she's so stupid. Why would she say that? Like, just you your, know, your inner voice. Yeah, the inner voice of like, oh, my God, why, why is she here? Like, just like a whole room against yeah. me, basically. But I didn't. I didn't think it was me being. That's 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 the, I the drugs, I was psychic. you know, because I felt that same way too. You know, I was like, and that's why I couldn't talk to girls because, like, ah, they're not gonna, they don't, they're not gonna like you. Yeah, you, know, you fat guy. Yeah, you know, he, nobody's gonna. Why know. is he talking to me? What's going yeah. on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I was totally insecure, and, mm. and the weed didn't help either, you know. But mm. uh, afterwards, I was like. That that self talk in mm-hmm. in my inside it, it changed you know mm-hmm. it became positive it like it was more like you can do this you're you're not a dummy you're yeah. you know you you can you can accomplish something you you know you can you can do whatever you want to do go out mm-hmm. and, and do something and 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 make it happen yeah. you're not that guy you're not a loser you know yeah I'm glad that you have that that's good <laughs> <laughs> I I feel like I'm. I'm a couple years away from that. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I think it is. I, I actually, I'm at, I think that like if the first step is the negative self-talk that's always there, um, I'm in a step up where I have positive self-talk and I, I do think, you know, that I am whatever smart and talented and things like that. Mm-hmm. But then it comes around and is like, you are being so conceited for thinking good <laughs> things about yourself. How dare you think that oh about you? And so I cancel it out. But I think that's just a step before <laughs> just being positive and happy with your life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there. I'm so close. I'm so close. Just like shake it off. Yeah. Shake it. I'm like, no, you get Don't out. listen to that asshole. <laughs> <laughs> or am I an asshole for thinking that it's an asshole when it's telling me the truth? <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> hey, we're peeling an onion now. Um, I'm, I'm nothing but onion. <laughs> okay. So this is the part where we do final question. All right. I ask everybody the same two questions. If you could snap your fingers and people around the world instantly believed two things... Just it is their reality. It's their truth now. What would it, what would they be? Uh, the only thing is, is one has to be like for the good of humanity, for the good of the world. The other one has to be completely selfish and self-serving. Oh man, that's you know, that's 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 too deep for me. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I can come up with something like that. Well, you know, I, I would. Well, for the good of humanity, I would I would love you know I'd love for our. Uh, political climate to change mm-hmm. drastically mm-hmm. you know we are on a uh, a collision course course with fascism in this country and around the world it's it's getting worse and worse and mm-hmm. and you know i would even be uh happy if we just nominate someone that was intelligent you know <laughs> i, I <laughs> you know i just i i can't i can't stand them mm-hmm. and now totally selfish Oh, that's... I don't know. Can I be... Uh, can I be 18 years old with a mind of a, with a, of a 57-year-old? Absolutely. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> well, well that's, a, that's a great fantasy. Maybe not 18. Maybe 21. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me, Paul. I really, really appreciate it. It's so good to be here. I wouldn't miss it. So you got me to open up. I'm telling you all these secrets. I'm not even going to be able to share this on Facebook now. <laughs> My mom will be crying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's not do that. I don't want her to cry. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
appreciate so it. Good to, so, so good to be here. Thank you. And when tomorrow comes around, I may be six feet underground, but I'll still have one more That was Paul McRae. We're so different, but we had so much in common. It makes me think about what Bobby Barnaby said in episode nine. Though our stories are different, the human experience is not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Paul and I both hearing voices when we were drunk or high got me thinking a lot about my internal monologue, you know, that that inner voice in your head. I started researching it and it's crazy. (laughs) Scientists have found through these neurological experiments that the same part of our brain used when we talk out loud is used when we're using our inner voice. It's called Bracca's area after Pierre Paul Bracca, who discovered that link. And not only are we using the same part of our brain for both speaking and inner monologuing, but we're also using our larynx. So when you're in your brain going off on an imaginary fight with your boyfriend, you're activating the same muscles in your throat that you use when you call him a giant asshole to his face. (laughs) It's like your brain and body don't know the difference between thinking and talking. So what's crazy is that the parts of the brain that are activated during internal monologue are the same parts activated during auditory hallucinations, like a schizophrenic hearing voices. In this study done in Finland, they found that during auditory hallucinations, everything was normal in the brain, except the part of the brain that understands self-awareness was less active. So the theory is that people who hear voices do so because at that moment, their inner dialogue isn't recognized as self-produced. Now, I'm a stripping clown, not a doctor, so I don't have the answers. But it makes me wonder if that self-awareness part of the brain is perhaps being numbed by alcohol or weed, causing a similar effect. Paul and I both heard voices. It happened to me so often that I just called it my weed-induced anxiety. But it would also happen sometimes when I drank. I would laugh it off and say that I was just the worst psychic in the world. (laughs) All I can hear is people thinking bad thoughts about me. But those voices just said the same stuff that I used to think about myself all the time. She's stupid. She's ugly. She should just kill herself and some other stuff that wasn't as nice. (laughs) So it does seem like a less intense version of what those studies were talking about, that inner dialogue not being recognized as self-produced. I tried to find information on that link specifically between the lack of understanding the self-awareness and alcohol and weed, which I mean, come on, we all know we lack self-awareness when we're drunk or high. Um, But I couldn't find anything exactly like that. The closest thing I could find was something called alcoholic hallucinosis. There was this one study that said, alcoholic hallucinosis is a rare complication of chronic alcohol abuse characterized by predominantly auditory hallucinations that occur either during or after a period of heavy alcohol consumption. Usually it presents with delusions and mood disturbances arising in clear consciousness and sometimes may progress to a chronic form mimicking schizophrenia. There are a bunch more science words, and then, no study has conclusively demonstrated that an acute illness with pronounced similarities to delirium tremens or chronic illness resembling paranoid schizophrenia. In short, there is no consensus as to the nature of the illness. In other words, we don't fucking know. (laughs) They did say they believe that part of the reason there's so little research is that it seems to be prevalent when someone is actively using, and those people tend not to go knocking on researchers' doors asking for help. So I don't know for a fact that the kind of voices Paul and I both heard are tied to some neurological numbing of the Broca's area part of the brain, but it is an interesting theory. If you enjoy hearing theories from a stripping clown who dropped out of college, please consider joining my Patreon. Patreon is a subscription service that funds the podcast's web hosting, storage, audio equipment, and more. You can learn more at patreon.com slash kikimaroon. 
And speaking of the website, the brand new Clown Interrupted website launched today. Woo! It looks pro as fuck. Please check out clowninterrupted.com and let me know what you think. Patreon direct messages are the best way to reach me privately, but you can always tweet me what you think at Kiki Maroon. And as always, the theme song was graciously provided by The Last Domino. I've linked to it in the show notes, along with a bunch of other links about art cars and inner monologue. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you have a great day and I will talk to you soon. Yeah, we got it.